to Libraryland Loves, a podcast from OLA. I believe that libraries are full of the most passionate people on the planet. People who are passionate about their careers, about the people they're serving, about the programs they're running. And that passion doesn't end there. Be it the coffee they're drinking or the pop culture they're consuming, Libraryland loves a lot. Hi, and welcome to Libraryland Loves. I'm Michelle Arbuckle, Director of Education and Member Engagement at OLA. Libraryland Loves is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your pods from. Today joining us is Rebecca Raven, who is the CEO of Brampton Library and the former Director of Public Service at Hamilton Public Library. She holds her Master's of Library Information Science degree from the University of Western Ontario. And Rebecca has a passionate enthusiasm for the leadership and future of public libraries in Canada. She was co-creator of the Kulk iSchool-sponsored Public Library Leadership Fellowship Program and is currently co-chair of the Advisory Committee. She's also a frequent speaker on change management and leadership in the public library sector, which is why we are talking to her today. We're going to speak to Rebecca about the issue of change management and her tips on how to make it as painless as possible. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Michelle. How are you? I am very well, thanks. Thank you for coming. I'm very excited to be here. I've never been at this library before. For the listeners, I am at the Brampton Public Library Four Corners Branch. That's right. Correct, yeah. It's adorable and lovely. In a very traditional civic building sort of way. Yeah. But downtown Brampton is lovely. Honestly, first time in this part of the city, which I know sounds terrible. No. I've lived in Toronto for 18 years now and have never been into downtown Brampton. And I didn't, it was not what I was expecting at all. I had exactly the same reaction when I arrived here five and a half years ago. So I completely understand. It feels kind of small townish. Yes, it does. Who knew that actually um, uh, Brampton and Bramalee were among the first municipalities into uh, forced into an amalgamation back in the day. Hmm. And so they were two distinct communities brought together in a provincial amalgamation. And it was a very, very successful model for what happened later. Hmm. So can you tell us, Rebecca, for those of you who don't know, Rebecca Raven is the CEO of Branton Public Library. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do all day? Yes, in the best job in the world, what mm-hmm. I do all day. Um, it's it's all about people and relationships and conversations and ensuring that the library is connected. Connected to, first and foremost, our users and our community. So conversations with people out in the community, making sure that the library is connected with the city and our funders and that there's an understanding and a sharing of information with what we're doing and how what we do every day supports the broader vision for what's happening at the city. So, you know, I can say they're conversations. Other people might call them meetings, but (laughs) yeah, that's what a day looks like. So does that mean that often your day isn't in this office that we're in right now? Like, are you usually out and about? Often. Yeah. days are spent outside of this office. So in a broader sense as well, right? That's why it's it's nice to have OLA here because we are a, a big, we are part of a much 
broader network. Mm-hmm. And, and before the mic went on, we were talking about the opening of a new library in Vaughan mm-hmm. uh, just this past Saturday and all of the library folk that we ran into there. So it's pro- part, you know, we're part of a, a much bigger environment mm-hmm. and keeping those connections fresh and um, robust is, is, what, is what we're all about. Mm-hmm. So what are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about change management. My favorite thing. Is it? I'm an Aquarian. Sorry, all you non-horoscope people. How did how did I not know that I we shared know. this? Feb 2. Oh, Jan 30th. <laughs> so close. And I, I'm one of those people that when growing up and even now, I can't keep furniture in the same space. Like I have mm. to constantly... Not constantly. I'm not, you know, built on chaos. But I like every season, let's say, to shift things around and get new things going. And it's the same in work. I love uh, looking at problems from new approaches, or you know, new approaches to problems, and um, just thinking of different ways to do things or different events to hold or you know different training we need to have I love thinking about that but I know there are many who don't well (laughs) I would say that perhaps you and I are outliers in our profession here right right? because that's one one of the points that that when I was thinking about change management and um, you know I I do I have spoken about this a couple of times in the past and one of the things that I, I have said in the past is there aren't a whole lot of people that will raise their hand to say, yes, please move me outside my comfort zone. Yeah. Yes, I'd like to be changing. Pick me. Let's keep doing this. Right. So I think, yeah, maybe you yeah. and I are, are on the bleeding edge or out, outer edges of that. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be scary no. and it shouldn't be scary. Mm-mm. If you're approaching it correctly, I think. So that's, I'm glad we're talking about this today because I think there's so many, um, you know, opportunities to change things up in libraries, I mean, in any industry, but especially in one where you're dealing with the public with rapidly changing technology and expectations, you know, of the services we provide, we have to be looking at how we can make changes to make that better, right? Okay, so is this a top five list? Are we counting down to like a big number one or is this just a straight up list? Yeah, no, it's a straight up list. Yeah, I think so. Although the first one is such a cliche. I wanted to get I wanted to get the first one out of the way so we could move past the cliche. Okay, what's number one then? Communicate, communicate, communicate. The C word. Yeah, the C word. And and I know it's it sounds it it is a cliche, but it can't be overstated. Right? You know what it's like when things are happening around you and you don't understand why things Mm -hmm. are happening. Mm -hmm. It's the why question. It's that toddler why. Why is this happening? So really, from a leadership point of view, and when I say leadership, I don't mean my office coming down. I mean anyone in the organization, a positional leader, a relational leader in the organization. It's all about the message and understanding. From a leadership point of view, the painting of a compelling vision and the articulation of a compelling vision. Mm -hmm. People want to know where we're going and why we're going Mm -hmm. and what their role is to support that. that. Mm -hmm. So that's the communication piece. The more we can go over and over and over and you know how that communication happens and how often that communication happens and the repetition of that communication happening can't be overstated. But if we dial it back to the that art, 
articulating a compelling vision. Mm -hmm. And we all know if we think about library leaders, mm -hmm. we were just talking about library leaders again before we turned the mic on, those are the people who when we, th we think of what they achieved in their careers, there was a vision attached to their work and people knew what their vision was and wanted to be a part of it. That's right. All right, number two. Number two, sort of builds on number one, is, is the trust factor. Mm -hmm. So again, if we go back to that toddler asking why, 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 the reason that two-year-olds need to know why is because they don't, they don't have the experience in the world to understand how things happen. So the more trust we have in each other and in the organization and in the leadership, the easier it is to place trust in those changes being made. It's like muscles. The more you exercise them, the, the stronger the stronger they get. And there's no easy way to build trust. Mm -hmm. No shortcut there then. There's no shortcut right. there, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's I, I won't be able to wrap off all the letters in the acronym, but do what you say you will do. It's just that simple. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if, if you say you're going to do something, then you need to carry on through with it. Mm -hmm. And if something happens along the way and you can't, and that happens a lot too, then you just need to be honest with it, mm -hmm. with everyone around it. But it's that trust factor, mm -hmm. really um, having people uh, believe in each other and in, and in the process mm -hmm. and in the end result. Yeah, that's great. All right, number three. Okay. All right. This is probably as, um, as literal as I will get for, for textbook sort of change management. Years ago, I attended a course on strategic change management. And unfortunately, unfortunately for Library Land, I've lost the source on this. Mm -hmm. But there was a, a particular article we read on leveraging your 15%. Okay. So really, any of us, regardless of where we sit in an organization or where we land in relationships, have a sphere of influence of approximately 15% in a day-to-day -day basis. Hmm. So when you're looking to enact change, if you take a, stand, a step back and look at where your 15% is, because when we think of change management, we're often thinking of big, and my hands are making big circles, right? We're often thinking of big initiatives. And that's scary and hard. If you chunk that out into a smaller 15% wedge of the pie. So what does the person sitting at the next desk, how can you get them aligned with you? Your buddies that you're working with on the desk tonight, where's your sphere of influence and, and how can you make that change relatable to mm -hmm. them? So once you've identified what that 15% is, the much larger initiative becomes more manageable because not only have you chunked it out, but there's a bit of a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. So once you get the change initiative rolling with that 15%, it builds and builds and you draw in more and more. Right. Does so that gotta, make sense? Yeah, so you have to find your 15, essentially. Find your 15. And then that those th that 15 goes out, and then they can kind of build on that with their own 15. Exactly. Momentum. Momentum. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Great. All right, we're at number two. We are. We are. Or number so, four, I guess. Uh, yeah, depending on which, down, if we're going up, down. ABCD, yeah. 
So this is balance. And balance is somehow related to the 15%. Mm -hmm. Because we all know that there's no shortage of good ideas. Right? The change management is not about um, how many changes we can enact in mm -hmm. the course of a day or a week <laughs> or a year, right. but knowing how to balance where you're going to get either the biggest bang for your buck or where you can leverage your 15% towards success. And it's not always a straight path. Mm -hmm. You know, in this position, it's balancing what we hear from our community, what changes the community would like versus the changes that we know organizationally that staff have identified. Look, I don't, I don't have this and this would really help to improve my day at work and my contributions to the organization versus what the board is bringing to the table because we have very dedicated, committed board members who are full of good ideas mm -hmm. to say, nothing of our city partners mm -hmm. and our community partners. It's like a deluge. Mm -hmm. So knowing, finding the balance of what can be done within the restraints and constraints of the system and when to take advantage of what. It's, it's always balancing. Yeah. I mean, that's almost a whole other pod. Oh, but, yeah. But... I'm curious to know, I mean, can you talk a little bit more about that process and how, like what consideration goes into that balance and when you move forward, when you don't? Sure. You know, again, I'll go back to uh, another um, wonderful colleague of ours, Ann Bailey. Mm -hmm. I once uh, presented with her or was on the panel with her at the Institute's Place. And the title of the presentation is What to Do When a Pot of Money Lands in Your Lap. Right. right? Yeah. And it was, a, it was a great title and we all laughed. Yeah. But that happens yes. from time to time. And there's, there's an instance. So it happened in Brampton. We had a vague plan for a future branch that was tied to a particular neighborhood and a school. And when federal infrastructure funding came along, it opened a door that we thought was five to 10 years away. Mm. And fortunately, and this was prior to my tenure here, the leadership was prepared for a plan with what had this pot of money landed in our lap and they built a branch and a school in a newly developed neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it changed It changed what else happened in our facilities landscape, and like facilities building, library yeah. facilities, for the next five years because mm -hmm. there's a ripple effect. So that's the hard part to manage that communication mm -hmm. across the organization, right? As much as one of the biggest challenges of, of this position is that I'd love to spend a whole lot more time sitting down face-to-face, -face, chatting with frontline staff and helping them to understand. Because I'm sure that's like, what do you mean we're building a new library over there? That wasn't even part of the plan. Right. But balancing the opportunities mm -hmm. that come our way. The, this is a, another cliche. I'm full of them this morning. <laughs> but, you know, what, what I tend to say is this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you, you have to have the long game mm -hmm. in mind. So when you're running a marathon, you need to know where the next water stop is 
but if that water stop is completely messed up and out of water or there's too many people there you need to have a backup plan in place you need to have a couple of gels in your back pocket to get you beyond um, that next closest goal mm -hmm. Um, all right, we're at the, the last one, number five, number one, number yes. letter E, whichever way you want to take it. So this is an interesting one because this is pretty, this is very, very practical. Never underestimate the power of a physical change. Hmm. So for instance, if you're building a new branch or renovating a branch, if you're bringing in a new piece of um, debt, like a new service point, a new desk, mm -hmm leverage that opportunity to make a bigger change. Mm -hmm. You're already moving people outside their comfort zone. So while they're there, don't push them to the point of distraction, but leverage that opportunity. If, if you're bringing in a new service desk, then let's have, let's have a conversation around the actual service delivery. Mm -hmm. Is this working for everyone? Use that as a, you know, pilot is a great word mm -hmm. in change management and library <laughs> world. Let's pilot that here. Yeah. Let's pilot something It's very something spoonful new. of sugar. Yes. Like, don't worry, this isn't the end. We're just gonna try it. Drink right. the sugar. <laughs> Which goes back to the 15%, right? Mm -hmm. you, can, you can call that, you could call a pilot a leveraging of the 15%. So, um, you know, when we change where people sit mm -hmm. or um, what the setup of a workroom is or we bring in a new automated sorting unit, the physical changes that take place in our locations are an opportunity to build that into something bigger than just I have to move my desk or right. I'm, getting, I'm getting moved to a new location. Right. Is there a change that's happened here that you've really planned the most for and then once it's happening, it's you're just like, oh, that just happened. Like it, that just seamlessly happens and gets integrated and no one really pushed backs on it even though you were anticipating that kind of reaction? Oh, well, I was with you right up until the, the okay. lack of pushback. So we spent, um, the good part of 2016 and 2017 renovating our largest branch. Mm -hmm. So the Chinkuzi branch, right. it, it essentially set, functions as our central library. Mm -hmm. And it was a big renovation mm -hmm. that got bigger every time we opened a new ceiling panel. Oh. It was just, we had no idea the the piecemeal work that had been done to make that facility keep functioning over the years. Mm -hmm. So literally when we got behind the walls, when we got under the ceiling, it just got bigger and bigger. So the plans that we'd put in place for how we were going to manage public service and how the staff group was going to manage through what was to have been a phased renovation, you mm -hmm. know, close one floor, open the second floor, right. All those beautiful plans went out the window and staff were pushed, I have to say, they were pushed to the point of distraction, as were the public. It was so difficult. Mm -hmm. And because of how challenging it was, they grew so close, they supported each other. I couldn't, there was nothing that we could have done mm -hmm. to plan 
for what they, the staff and the customers of that location went through during right. that renovation. And they not only rose to the occasion, they they took it and ran with it. It's an absolute case study. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. What's the most successful? I mean, you talked about Chinkuzi. Yes. Is there another thing that's happened at Brampton where you planned and planned and planned and then when it happened you were like yes this is this is exactly as we expected this is this is working out oh there are a few I really want to ask you the flip side of that too but I don't know if you're comfortable oh sure absolutely yeah (laughs) right because that's one of the things that I didn't talk about in terms of you know the basics of covering change management is is embracing embracing the failure yeah because sometimes this goes right off the rails oh okay okay, and what did we learn from that? Yeah. How are we going to do that differently next time? Where where did we go wrong and right. how can we fix that? Yeah. So yeah, oh yeah, I've got lots of examples for that. <laughs> the one maybe that, that excites me the most, and this may be surprising, is um, the update to our visual identity, to mm. our logo. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of those things, mm-hmm. right? It's a little bit... It can be hard for um, funders Mm -hmm. and for the public and for our staff to understand why it's important or why it was important to spend money on updating what was perceived as the logo. Mm -hmm. So that was a very interesting uh, process to bring the board members along to something that they were already very proud of Mm -hmm. and attached to the visual identity. Some of them had been on the board long enough that they had been involved in the previous. Right, so there was some ownership issues there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then standing in front of city council and explaining why this was important, Mm -hmm. what this meant, and how we were going to leverage the new logo and visual identity to really um, make more significant changes and open the public's mind to bigger changes happening behind the brand. Right, the potential potential behind what the library is for them. Thank you so much for your time today, oh, Rebecca. Oh, it's been delightful. This has been fascinating. I am. Uh, I promise I will not go out and wreak havoc and change everything <laughs> every day, every moment of my colleagues' lives. But um, no, I hope that people find this helpful. And I think that uh, for people who are um, coming up against change, thinking about it more broadly, and also trying to enact change on their own, hopefully this has been a helpful resource for them. Absolutely. And I'm always happy if people want to reach out happy to have more conversations. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Rebecca for sharing her experiences with us today. I think we all have learned a few tips on how to make change management um, more palatable, let's say. That's all the time we have for this edition. If you have questions or comments on our show, drop us a line at the Contact Us section of our website at accessole.com, and we'll have links and photos from this episode up on the site as well. Visit us on Twitter at the best handle in the land, at onlibraryasoc. You can figure out how to spell that one. And on Facebook at facebook.com slash accessole. Don't forget to subscribe on all the places you can subscribe, Apple Pod, Google Play, all those things. And please tell a friend. Have a great day.